Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to The Wonderful World of Wine, our podcast and radio show, where we bring you all the trending topics in the wine world. I'm Kim Simone. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Lenzi. How are you today, Mark? Hello, Kim. Great talking wine with you and our listeners again today. Always a wonderful thing to do. Sure is. So we've what do you got, got going on this week, Kim? So we've got uh, a couple of articles that are more trending towards current events, I guess you could say. We just had change in office down in Washington, and that comes with it new folks in new positions. So we are hearing a little bit of rumbling about tariffs again, and will the uh, new Biden administration repeal those 25% tariffs on wine from Spain and in France and a little bit Germany that uh, that really hit our industry hard last year and the year before. So I don't really think there is too much movement on this yet, but it looks like it could potentially be promising. I know when this first happened, Kim, we talked to our listeners about it, said this was in effect. And at the time, talked mostly about the wine. It did have impact on Scott. It did have impact on Irish spirits. So right. I think consumers were shopping this holiday season, this past holiday season. And I think that's when people really started to see there was a little... Mm-hmm. Increase. Did you notice a little increase on the shelf, Kim? And- yeah. And I feel like I had started noticing this even earlier when we were talking about having to sort of rethink what was going to go on restaurant wine lists because suddenly there were whole categories of wine that might have been a little bit of a loss leader for us. Like we wouldn't necessarily have marked them up quite as much because we wanted to move through a lot of them and they were very popular and we wanted to keep the price down so that customers would feel comfortable ordering those, whether it was a wine by the glass or just a, you know, a wine that was particularly popular. But it got to the point where with these additional tariffs on top of what we were already paying for the wine, that it was going to kind of reach a breaking point. Like it would go over the threshold that it wouldn't seem like a value or even something that a consumer really wanted to spend their money on. So I, we had, we in the restaurant side of this had started, I feel like to see this earlier, but that took a little while for inventories to be moved through uh, distributors and importers until that pricing really sort of kicked in. But I, it's been a while now, so it's definitely worked its way down to the prices that uh, customers now see on on shelves, both retail and in restaurants. So yeah, it's definitely um, having an impact. Just to recap for everybody, Kim, initially this was a 25% tariff that was put into effect and when we first talked about it, and to this day, Kim, I still don't understand the politics. It had something to do with an Airbus plane deal over yeah, Europe. Yeah, it was sort of this like back and forth, tit for tat thing between the EU and the US about parts what going into Airbus and then parts going into Boeing planes and whether uh, certain groups were getting preferential treatment. And it was just sort of like this 
back and forth fight. So this tariff thing has been going on for quite a while, like almost 15 years, I believe. Yeah. But it didn't. I mm -hmm. I still don't understand how that related to it on wine and spirits like Nothing. There's it has nothing, nothing to do you know, with wine. Why no. do they pick on us? My it, why? Why? That's, why? Just... that's a very good question. I think because it packs a punch because it hurts. But it yeah, hurts. it's it not. It's not like lot, they right? then put you know tariffs on any other mechanical product. No, they put it on wine. It, but yeah. it had absolutely nothing to do with wine. Like it, wine is <laughs> wine is like the unfortunate bystander here who yeah. <laughs> who and gets I hit think, by the car. <laughs> I think what I was reading too is when they first did it, they said, you know what? Well, we're going to hit you at home. We're going to hit you on your wine, right? But not thinking about the American consumer or the American distributors or importers, how it affected them and their jobs and the economy on our side, it it really backfired. I know when we first reported about it, there were people going into Washington saying, hey, think about this. Think about what you did. But once it went into effect, now it's almost impossible to get away from it. Right. Is that what you're hearing in this kind of Um, follow up story? Not so. I think that it's that there's more optimism that the tariff can get repealed. Biden is a little bit more of someone who is willing to negotiate with the the folks over in Europe. He has a lot of experience with international diplomacy. So I think that is going to help. And also his view and his staff's view is going to be a little bit more open to working with the folks in the EU and in the UK versus opinions of the the prime the previous trade czar under Trump who was right. um, a little more of a I don't even remember what the right word is for it you know a little more thinking only from an American perspective and kind of saying you know it doesn't matter what the rest of the world wants to do we're kind of going to go going to go our own way yeah and they were kind of saying they Biden. We'll probably address it, but it's going to take a while because yeah. it's not on the plate right now. But right. It, honestly, there are a lot more important things Correct. going on yeah. right now than yeah. wine tariffs. I mean, it doesn't feel that way if you're if that's your livelihood and if you're one of these small producers in France that now can't sell your stuff in the U.S. because the tariffs just make it too expensive. But yeah, there's there's kind of a lot going on right now. So yeah. maybe wine tariffs will be addressed. You know, in I don't know the second quarter of the year or the second half of the year. Well, in the meantime, you you touched on it. It's a business. The wine is a huge business. And a lot of these people are struggling right now because when it first went into effect, what I saw is a lot of the importers said, you know what? Say I'm, say I'm an importer of French wine and I see this is going to affect. So I'm going to stock up a little bit, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to import a little bit more, go a little heavier, or maybe pre-buy at a certain rate. And then now it's at the point where these guys have to make a choice. So let's take, for instance, there's a $10 bottle of French wine on the shelf and now it's a 25% tariff. So do you mark it up to to $12.50, $12.99, brand that's been a $10 brand for the life of since it's been in the United States? Or do you eat that cost? And, And the people in that position cannot eat that money and pay the tariff, right? So now they're struggling. Right. They don't and know. They, what to and do. that was the that was the I think the whole discussion at the beginning a couple of years ago was that importers did take that stand of we can't afford to lose 
the accounts that are buying these wines, we can't afford to lose those placements. So we'll just eat that right now. You know, that was back before the destruction of the restaurant industry uh, with COVID. So I think it's even harder now because there is so much less revenue for those import and distribution companies coming from the restaurant side of the business. Right. So they're so, going to sell yeah. less cases. Right. They're going to sell the less restaurants wine. not taking it. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I did see it just recently. I saw it because I have one importer who about this time every year comes out with their, their rosé release pre-sell. And I buy early to get it in for April, May mm-hmm. timeframe. And one gentleman who always was my go-to Spanish, French rosé gentleman, no pre-sell sheet because he doesn't even know if he's going to be in business. Wow. So, I mean, that's sad. In, so in he's not even taking those orders right not now? Not taking them, not released because he doesn't know. He doesn't even bought it yet. He doesn't even know oh what's going to happen. He's still kind of waiting, I think, to see yeah. maybe this will be taken away. But I thought I read initially the tariff wasn't on wine above 14%. And then I thought after a little bit, they increased it to include the 14, right? I think it's up to maybe 15 and a half or 16. Yeah, so but it, initially, does, it still doesn't include fortified wines, but it's it pretty much covers all table wines except for sparkling wines. And initially, champagne wasn't on it, right? And is it's it still, still not, not on, on it. Still no, not on it. So no, sparkling wine so is that's strange. Not, yeah, very. How would they, you know, you know, it's good <sighs> for you. But it's uh, <laughs> good for those of us who like yeah. to drink bubbly every day. I just feel bad for the consumers, you know, in, in speaking on the retail side, Kim, as you were saying on the restaurant, don't blame the retailers when you see this big price. out. I, I even had a comment. Someone initially had said, oh, raising prices due to COVID. And it totally was not. It was based on tariffs. Yeah, it goes and way just, beyond COVID. Yeah. And in scotch, for instance, let's get off a of wine for just a second. But some scotches went up $10, $15 a bottle. Wow. I mean, that's huge. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I hope they just, you know, come to uh, reason for the wine consumers and yeah. help us and, and help these small distributors and Whoever. And that's it. that seems to be the argument that all of these trade organizations, both from the U.S. and from Europe, like they're it's it's everyone's on the same page as far as the producers and the folks in the wine industry, whether they're in Europe or whether they're here. Like we're all everyone's on the same page that they need the tariffs to go away. And the argument that the trade associations in the U.S. are trying to bring to Washington are just that that, hey, this is doing more harm to American businesses than it is doing harm to European businesses. So whether the point of this was sort of like a gotcha kind of thing, it's backfired. And it is really detrimental to not only consumers here who have to pay more for those wines, because if you are a wine drinker and you are a fine wine drinker, not even just a fine wine drinker, like $15 bottle of wine every once in a while, but it's something that's special to you. And you have something specific that you like from a certain region of, no, of Spain or of France. Maybe you really like Bordeaux and it doesn't have to be expensive Bordeaux, but maybe you have a favorite. There's no substitution for that wine. Wine is so unique. And there are so many special little bottles from all over the place that, yes, you can find a Cab Merlot blend from California or Argentina that, you know, 
is similar and has the same grapes in it, but it's not the same. <laughs> that bottle of Bordeaux, you know, there's nothing like a bottle of Sancerre. There isn't. Yeah. And, you know, that I, I think that's one of the things that makes this argument of, oh, well, people will just buy American wines instead, you know, kind of falls flat because people are still wanting to have those bottles from those special places. So right. and, I'm hoping. Back to your point you were saying about the being in the restaurant when you, you were looking at the list and adjusting, right? Do you think, I mean, there's so much wine out there. Were you trying to make the decision? Do you go, do you continue to support that brand or did you find another brand? Is that where you, you were going yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah it was. So, and, 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 I, and I brought up Sancerre and Sancerre yeah. was, you know, specifically where we were having to look because it is one of our was one of our most popular white wines on the menu. But if you have a glass of Sancerre that used to go for, say, $11 a glass that you now have to sell for $16 a glass, people aren't going to buy it because it's the same wine that they knew that they were getting for $11 a glass six months ago. Right. So, but there's no, you know, there's no equivalent to, to Sancerre. Right. I mean, there right. are close things, but sometimes it's that name that has the recognition, the, you know, the style idea and, and the imagination of consumers. So it's, you know, it's hard to try to change a consumer's buying habit so quickly you know, and just tell them, oh, we can't get Sancerre at a reasonable price anymore, but we've got this wonderful one from <laughs> this great Sauvignon Blanc from Chile. You know, it's just not quite the same. Yeah. And I'm sure people have seen on the shelves things changing a lot. And we talked about maybe it was due to supply and demand during the whole COVID price. A, a lot of it probably had to do with people changing out to something else mm -hmm. because their go-to were hit with tariffs and they didn't want to supply it anymore yeah. get it anymore and as a wine buyer lately for me it's searching out these things and doing more research to find out why is this one guy's price so much less than this other guy's why is he affected by the tariff you know so you have to do a little bit more research than in the past to really be a you know, educated shopper or buyer nowadays. And I think it's, you know, one of the reasons why we talk about a lot of different topics on our show is because I think sometimes it can be important for consumers like yourselves listening to us to understand what goes on in the background. Like it's not something that stays the same all the time. There are changes and there are impacts from other things going on in the world. So this is just a little view <laughs> into yeah. what goes on behind the curtain Politics uh, in, and wine. in the wine industry. Don't, don't match. Politics and wine, <laughs> uh, it doesn't match. I, I don't. I didn't understand it then. I still don't yeah, understand it you. now, but I, I definitely understand the effect of it now. Yeah. Well, I think we can be a little more optimistic with this administration that there is the possibility of it being repealed. Not saying that it will happen, but I think the possibility is still there. You're listening to the wonderful world of wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like more information about Kim, you can find her on her webpage, vinitaswineworks.com. If you want information about myself, you can find me on franklinliquors.com. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. Next, we want to talk about an article that was about uh, sustainability in wine packaging, Kim. And I thought this was really interesting as it looked at all the different packages that wine is put in and tells us 
what would be the most sustainable. So mm -hmm. people who are shopping and looking for the the best packaging to save the planet, this was a good guideline. Yeah. And we've talked th about this a little bit when it comes to closures. So we've spoken about the sustainability of natural cork versus screw caps versus synthetic corks and all of those. Um, and every once in a while we talk, we touch on the packaging issue, but I thought this was nice because it put it all in one place and gave the pros and cons for the different types of packaging that is currently out there on the market. So for our listeners, Kim, they're thinking, geez, my, my wine package is not sustainable. What, what do you mean? So can you just give a little background or information about that? What, yeah. So would... it's not just about how the particular packaging that your wine comes in is disposed of. So whether it goes into a landfill or whether it gets recycled, but it also takes into account the production for that piece of glass or that aluminum can from start to finish. And I think that's part of the sustainability issue that a lot of consumers takes a bit of thinking to, to understand all of that, because it does have many different levels. So when you think about sustainable wine, we often think about the juice and the winery and the vineyard and, you know, are they using tractors or are they using people to pick the grapes? Are they solar power? You know, all of the ways that go into making the wine and having that be sustainable from a farming and a manufacturing perspective. But thinking about the packaging and how the packaging is made is also really, really important. And it's something that wineries have been paying attention to. And it's something that folks who pay attention to environmental issues closely have also been keeping an eye on. So yes. I think what's interesting is because it seems like the item on our list here that is most often recycled by people actually is the least good for the environment. And that is glass bottles. Yeah, glass is by far the, the, the vessel for most wines being sold. I've seen trends lately where people are actually going more towards the big, thick glass, Kim, which is like a no-no in the it's sustainability It's so counterintuitive. Right? Yeah, know. because of the weight. I mean, just not only the, to make it, the energy to make it is more, but the shipping, all, all of that mm -hmm. uses more energy. And there's a resurgence, I feel, towards that big, thick glass bottle, which in the past we talked about I love when a wine is in a nice package, but then myself thinking after reading this article, I'm like, you know what? I never really think about the sustainability part of yeah. it when I drink in that nice big glass bottle. And it is heavy. And I tell this to people all the time when they ask me about this question, you know, the sustainability issue and what's the best kind of packaging. Glass is heavy. And yes, you can recycle it. I mean, that is one of the pros of using glass, but it takes energy not only to make the glass in the first place, but it takes energy to make more glass out of recycled glass. There's a um, there's a show on Netflix right now about glass blowing. Have you seen this show? It's no, called I know Blown Away. It's it's all about glass blowing, and they do talk a lot about hard on the environment making glass is because you have to keep those ovens so hot, like thousands of degrees hot, like 2000 degrees for, for an oven for melting glass. And they have to be on all the time. And it uses a lot of resources. So it's not just that so much energy has to go into the actual glass making, but then because glass is so heavy, as it is shipped around the world, also with wine in it, there are 
fuel costs that are associated with that. So those two things put together, I think is what is, you know, trending towards glass, maybe not being the packaging of the future if we are to live in any sort of sustainable way with the planet. And you mentioned, Kim, when it goes to be recycled too, there's just as much energy used to melt it back down again. Yep. Even though we're recycling it, it's it's taking up a lot of energy. So you're not, you're recycling the the raw material, but it still takes more energy to then make more glass out of it or make a new glass bottle out of it. They gave a stat, Kim, and said in, in 2018 in the world, there was something like 33 billion wine glass bottles it's a lot of bottles yeah <laughs> a lot imagine of that that's a lot that is a lot so how, imagine how, that. how many of those did you drink yeah about, <laughs> a, bi- about a billion this year <laughs> jeez so they talked about glass which well, everyone's buying wine and glass and then they mentioned aluminum or cans yep which i think is an interesting thing because i still we we talked about this in the past but i still don't see the movement far and i, I definitely don't see people buying wine and cans for the recycling reason or for Mm -hmm. the sustainability reason. But it does have a lot of good things going for it. So, you know, yes, it might not be the thing that consumers are looking for in their packaging, which does have to be taken into consideration because if the market doesn't want it, then it doesn't matter how good the idea is or how sustainable for the environment it is. If people aren't going to buy it, then it's no good. It's not not going to work. Um, But- I mean, cans have a lot of good things going for them because they're light and they are less expensive to recycle. It still does take that energy and and power and such to recycle them. But I thought that it was an interesting comment in this article about cans and that cans could be the thing to go towards, but it needs a new production model. So things need to be changed in order to make it even more of a sustainable type of practice. Yeah, it says they use a lot of electricity mm-hmm. on the production side, right? Is that, yep. that what you were hitting about? Yes, yep. Yeah, but still they're saying it's uh, uh, 88% recyclable versus plastic. And they did mention it's better for the ocean, which yep. I didn't understand people chucking their cans in the, I, I didn't understand that part, but. Uh, Maybe it comes back to the shore and people collect them. <laughs> or yeah. they also said something about it breaking down. Yeah, I mean, in. This year, there was a huge shortage in aluminum. So I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I don't know the reason. Well, I think that goes into the the conversation of infrastructure not being there as the business model right now. Like, I actually think that one of the reasons why there was a shortage was because there were a lot of beverage companies that moved toward putting their product in aluminum cans, not just wine, but all the seltzers and things like that. And on the production side... It was not really anticipated. So there was a, you know, not enough can to go around for yeah, so. for all of these products. So I think that that was an interesting problem. That's like all of a sudden in a few months, there was this move towards this type of packaging that no one was really ready for. So then they were cranking out all this aluminum, probably using up tons more energy probably. Right, to, to make the, the cans, right? Well, now we got plenty yeah. of cans. Well, then, Yeah. Then they talked about the wine box, Kim. And this was always a, a big marketing thing when box wine first came out, right? They were actually putting on the package, this is more sustainable packaging, yep. right? It's better for the world, better for the earth. But they said the bags must be BPA free, right? Is right. that the biggest thing for sustainability? 
Um, I think because the BPA um, can get into the soil and it's unhealthy for humans. So no one really wants the those chemicals to be on the lining of cans or on the lining of plastic because it is uh, considered detrimental to our health. But I think it also interferes. I could be wrong. I think it interferes with recycling, but I'm not really sure. I think it's more that it's an environmental and a human hazard than it is anything else. Now, I have but to ask you. I still, know the package you buy that... Bo- hmm? no, no, I was going to ask you. you. You buy and drink a lot of boxed wine. Do you recycle? I recycle them? the cardboard you... part of it. Yeah. Oh, so you do take the bag out? And, yes. And then... Okay. I am a I am a crazy recycler, Mark. All right, I thought I, re- I recycle you know, anything that can be there. recycled. No, yeah. So well, I take good. so once I'm done with it, the the plastic bladder inside comes out, and I fold up the cardboard, and that goes into my recycling thing. And then, unfortunately, that inside part does have to go in the trash. But it is a small part of the packaging, but still doesn't make me feel particularly good that I have. Well, they to talk they talk that. about the sustainability of this package. I'm curious how much energy is used when they're putting this all together. Yeah. I Maybe not they... as much because it's cardboard and plastic as opposed yeah. to metal and glass. Yeah. I, I've just, I, I never saw anything saying, you know, when the production yeah. of it is, is worse than the actual product that it's, that it's in yeah. type of thing. So wine box, they, they, and then they ended the article saying which one was best, which was back to a, a friend, either the aluminum can or buy a box that's lined with plastic, not with the bag. Is that what they were saying on that? They they did say plastic lined cardboard, but then I, I'm confused is yeah. if can you, re- I was unsure I, whether you can recycle cardboard that has been lined with plastic. I've always thought that that was a no-no to throw in the recycling. So they might mean with the plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of confusing. Yeah, that part was a little confusing. I did like their idea of just getting away from using these types of packaging and focusing more on reusable containers. Whenever I see this idea, I always think of the little wine shops in Italy near where we used to live that you would just bring your bottle, kind of like a growler. You know, you'd you'd bring a bottle to the little store and they had wine, not even on tap. It was like just you turn a spigot and <laughs> and out comes the wine and you fill up and you cap it and you pay for it and you go home. And I think it would be really wonderful if we end here and we acknowledge. Yeah, and they mentioned they went one level further with the whole keg idea again. And I know we mm-hmm. talked about this in the past. Now, when you were in the restaurant, did you have keg wine on tap? No. No. no, the restaurants that I worked in did not have the uh, the keg capacity. But I, I was just having a conversation with someone recently about wines on tap. And it, it may be something that becomes more of a typical thing that you would see at a bar or a restaurant uh, in the future. I know that it has become popular in certain places like around New York City, you know, places that have a lot of traffic of people who are hip and trendy or in are into the newest thing. So I think that that could be something that in the future could be, you know, available both in bars and restaurants and retail. Yeah, this to I actually me think it'd be really cool is more something that a restaurant could use to promote that they're sustainable saying, you know mm-hmm. what, we're not going to stock you know, 90 million bottles of this wine. We're just going to buy 
on tap or we're going to buy oh, a even just the it. wines by the glass. I mean, yeah, you would save yeah, exactly. so many bottles if yep. your wines by the glass program came from kegs and from taps. And I thought it was a great idea. I looked real heavy into it because I was thinking to myself, we have all these people that are buying beer kegs mm-hmm. and having their own. And at the time, the home beer systems were really popular, but you don't see it for, you know, buy a home system for your wine keg or put one of these kegerators in your kitchen for wine, right? You, you could put a, a wine fridge, but you never see about putting a wine kegerator. I'd love a wine kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're thinking like, oh, and, man. <laughs> yeah. And people might be thinking of these huge, you know, Three Stooges beer barrels, but they're actually little, you know, they're small bladders. They're, they're really small size and convenient sizes Then you know, like a, lead, you know, I think it's five liter or three liter. It's it's not a lot of wine. Yeah. And then they have yeah. the 20 liter that you get your, your sake in at the at the Japanese restaurants. But, <laughs> uh, I think it's a great idea. I just the movement is so slow. I yeah. know there was a company in Rhode Island who was pretty much one of the inventors, I think, of the the keg system, who sells them all over the world and fills them for wineries and everything. So hopefully that'll be uh, something of the future to, to kind of save all this glass. And Yeah, I'm looking forward to the innovations that new people will come up with for for these kinds of things. So I'm always excited about the future. So we'll see about wine packaging as well. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Please leave us your comments and questions. And as always, you can find past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.